accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the season finale, season six's finale. It's called Tears of the Prophets. Aired on June 17th, 1998. It was written by our Stephen Baron Hans Beamler, directed by Alan Croker. In this episode, Cisco leads an invasion of Cardassian territory, ignoring a warning from the prophets with fatal consequences for a member of the DS9 crew. Season finale. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? Fresh off me. Uh, I, I guess I wanted to, <laughs> to open this. Fresh off me. Uh, spoiling this episode mm. for you last episode, just because I felt like either you knew or we were heading to a point where I needed to discuss. But I do want you to know that I did feel bad, and I thought about it for a little bit about whether or not I should have done that. However, I was like a twelve-year-old uh, girl with a giddy secret that I just had to let out, and it came out <laughs> like it did. Well, uh, you didn't tell me that it was via it was via Parith shenanigans, mm. which uh, I'm glad you didn't because that was silly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who gets the who gets the award for silliest death if it's uh, Dax or uh, Tasha Yar because I feel like they're both at least at least this one seems to have a point and was actually structured fairly well instead of just getting blasted and then forgot about. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, the, it's the opposite of what Roddenberry tried to do with Tasha Yar, which was his sort of terrible idea that characters on TV shows should just have realistic deaths, which is yeah. not particularly a very narratively strong way to to hey. do a character off, I guess. I I call I call shenanigans on that because no one on Star Trek TNG ever died of like heart disease. Right. So. Yeah. Everyone's uh, cholesterol is at healthy healthy levels, I guess, as far as that goes. Yeah. Let's um let's take a break. We're going to get into it. We're going to uh, discuss Tears of the Prophets right after this. Well, isn't anyone going to welcome me home? Heroes get welcomed home, Ducats, not failures. Or have you forgotten that under your leadership, the Dominion nearly lost this war? As I recall, Weyoun, you were standing right by my side, agreeing with every decision I made. If you're here because of what happened to your daughter... Damar, you disappoint me. I would have thought you, of all people, would be glad to see your old mentor. I don't hold you responsible for Ziel's death. You may have fired the phaser... But it was Benjamin Sisko who forced your hand. And that's why I'm here. The time has come for me to take my revenge against the good captain. Do you want to start with Dax? Is there is there a better place to start with than Dax? Because I guess I guess this episode is kind of all about killing off Dax, which I think is its weakest <clears throat> link, really. Yeah. Um, I I guess that's as good a place as any to start because otherwise this is just a, a fairly stock standard DS9 season ender where it has a big Dominion thing that they deal with. It has a repercussion that sort of shuffles the uh, the game before they start up new seasons. So they've done something to put the uh, writers in a corner a little bit. They're going to have to do something new in the next season. Mm-hmm. And really what that they did was the death of Jadzia Dax here, which is... um. I'm conflicted about I don't I don't know like it's tough to discuss this episode without the kind of just behind the scenes of like wondering why they couldn't keep her around I guess mm-hmm. and I don't mm-hmm. really know who's to blame I'm not particularly interested in that or if there is any blame or if people just wanted to go their separate ways but if a character had to die Dax is the best one to do it right Sure sure Uh yeah that makes sense um unless you want to kill Rom which I would be fine with uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense if you got to kill one of them. Uh, my problem with it is, and my, my reference to Tasha is only like kind of, you know, half, half not serious because, mm. uh, the, the thing that really bothered me about this was that Cisco at the end feels like he could have av- averted this somehow, but it's, it's it only happens by co- complete coincidence. Like there's no – In terms of what? It's not well, like, what's the coincidence? In, and just the, that she happened to be in the temple when uh, uh, Ducat managed to 
transport onto the temple without anybody knowing it was happening. Yes. Through whatever – I don't know what security systems they have there, but I feel like they should have been able to sense that that was happening yep. or something. Uh, I think you know, the, the transporter – ship? The transporter that what? he beams in on I think is the Dominion transporter look. So I think they must have a ship out there, although the Dominion don't have cloaking devices. So I don't know what yeah. that's supposed to mean, yeah. So there should be a, a ship or something you would think. Um, and it's not like it's not like Dax gets killed trying to thwart Ducat from doing something that Cisco could have prevented from happening. Or, exactly. You know, or like it's not it's not like there was a shortage of manpower on Deep Space Nine that allowed Ducat to get the jump on people or anything. He just literally beams in. Uh, blasts her with, uh, you know, some uh, Dragon Ball rays and uh, vomits into a crystal and then he disappears. Yeah. And it, we don't even really, I mean, I guess he blows up the wormhole, uh, but but still, I mean, it's just, it's not super, it's very incidental and it doesn't, I feel like they didn't really give her the death she probably should have had. No. I, it feels like it feels like a more thoughtful version of the Tasha Yard, uh, ta- the Tasha Yard death. In that, it is still a feels like a complete just casualty of war type thing, but it still doesn't ring true for for a character who has been on the show for six years. The the most surprising thing to me, right? Like I completely the the problem to me about this being a death episode. There's two things that go wrong with it. The first one is that. All of the events seem structured to kill her. Um, sure. Like the all of the decisions that are made where she is, for whatever reason, the only crew member who's left behind on the station when they yes. all go well, off. Uh, Bashir's there too. Bashir, guess, because Bashir yeah. needs to tell them that she's dead. You know, like Bashir right. has to yes. stay to yeah. uh, facilitate her death. Mm-hmm. And so all of those decisions just feel like it's really only designed that this is going to happen, that they have to yeah. kill her off. And the thing is that because I told you last week when I spoiled it for you is that she was off auditioning. They they knew mm-hmm. that she was leaving. Her her entire sixth season was a contract negotiation that they knew was going poorly and that she probably wasn't going to uh, come back. Yeah. So it's a little bit less forgivable to me that they couldn't set it up more effectively as to what was going to happen. And I think that's a big problem with the writing. And the other aspect of it is I think that – if you have a character who's been on your show, and I would have preferred Jedzia Dax remain on the show all seven seasons at this point. Like, the sixth season going into your last season feels like it's like, come on, you can't get one more season out of this person. Sure. I, I would have been fine killing her off a little bit earlier. The, the, the thing is that getting her to this point, if she's going to die, I feel the episode should pay respects to her and she should die early in the episode as opposed to the very last moment of it where you're never going to see her again yeah that's that's tough you you think the death needs to to be the twist or something yeah i mean what what do you do for the rest of the episode you just have people like talk about her or something no because because then that becomes the focus of the episode is that dax has been killed unless that's what you want well this is this is maybe a little bit of me knowing but like they're going to kick off next season with everyone in sort of everyone kind of mimics the Cisco role in that they're in different places with it. Sure. So I think you can kickstart that in this episode and as not just Cisco leaves the station, but everything else that happens also is mentioned at that point. And you are mm-hmm. uh, aware going into the season break that people are going to be in different places in their lives next year. Um, that would have been okay. Like I, I don't like the way that she died. Like, I don't like the power race thing. Uh, yeah. I don't like Ducat. Ducat's alliance with the Dominion feels like it's the wrong kind of thing for this point at this show, where I like the Dominion, like Damar and uh, Wayun talking to each other because it always felt like it was a really political situation. And Ducat's mm-hmm. sort of religious zealotry coming into it feels like he has... For, for whatever reason, usurped control from them somehow when yeah. they shouldn't give him that amount of control, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, th- realistically, as soon as he walks in there and is like, I just need to get a Bajoran religious artifact and then we will have the power. He should have been cut off mid-sentence and immediately thrown in prison. Yes. Been like, get this fucking guy out of here. <laughs> <laughs> 
and they, they mentioned at the start they're like the last time we saw you you fucked up so why should we believe anything that you're, you're talking about here it's it's yeah a, it's a strange I, I was on team Wayun for this one when when ducat comes in and he's like oh the prophets blah 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 and Wayun's like this sounds dumb <laughs> and i'm like yeah i'm with you Wayun. <laughs> Wayun, one of my favorite characters I, I did really like uh in in similarly in that scene i really did like uh uh when uh Wayun calls bullshit on the the warp aliens the wormhole aliens being gods yes. and then uh his buddy there's like well don't you think the founders are gods and he's like well obviously that's different yes i thought i like that a very, very much a true to life uh, religious argument i think there yes. the egyptian yes. gods are baloney my god is the true god mm-hmm. um yeah, uh, that, that's Damar too. Who's going to become important? Um, Damar, Damar, oh, yeah, Damar. The, he was in the. He was the guy with the goatee and color me bad, right? I don't. I don't recall. What? Um, it just sounds like an R and B guy name. What did you? I, I, I guess we can just continue going down. Like I'm. Are you, what do you feel about losing Jedzia at this point? Like it does make sense that the Dax symbiont would could live on as a different character, and you would have the ability to switch things up and you can go in a different direction with it, depending on who the symbiont is bonded with. I just, I, I, I would have rather have kept her around for another season. It, it feels like a weirdly personal um, chink in the armor or something to lose a character in the seventh season. I, I don't know why that's more of like a personal thing than anything. But if you remember in TNG, they had that second chances episode where Tom Riker made his appearance and they were considering killing off Will Riker and having him be replaced sure. as, yeah. as much as a cool idea as that is. I still, is it? Well, I still like to go back and look at it and be <laughs> glad that they didn't do that because I would just like to finish out the series with the people that I know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I think it's one of those things where, yeah, realistically, if you're, at war, then it would make sense that at least someone on the main cast would get, you know, get taken out. Um, preferably not like this. Um, <laughs> you really, you really didn't, you didn't like this at all, or is there any kind of redemption to it for you? Uh, I, I guess the uh, the actual mechanic of it, I hated. I really, I really didn't like it. Um, I thought the scene i actually thought it was uh the stuff on her deathbed and when she dies and the stuff that cisco does uh over her uh death tube there was actually really touching um i like that stuff a lot although i i wish uh i wish dorn had put a little bit more stank on that klingon death <laughs> that, that was not his best work and i feel like that should have been the best one he's ever done i i completely like i I think the direction didn't do any, him any favors there either. Like lingering on it doesn't make sense. I feel like it's one of those things you have to cut and keep the audio going over the next scene, kind of. It, it's sure. not something you really want to focus on because when you look at it, it looks a little bit ridiculous. But I also agree that he did not particularly scream very effectively yeah. in it. Yeah, if it felt like they sh- they used like the rehearsal take or something, yeah. where they yeah. were just don't don't blow out your pipes on this one, Michael. Yeah, we'll exactly. Do this later. Yeah. It should it should have been you know Khan the Khan yell from Wrath of Khan. But instead, it was just like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna go through this once, and then oh shit, we ran out of film. I guess we have to use the uh, the the setup take. Yeah. Um, the Cisco speech, yeah, I know, agree, though, is good. The Cisco over her casket, yeah. I think, works, and I think him leaving at the end works. I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm conflicted about it though, because again, I don't think that there's any clear thing that Cisco not leaving would have changed. You know, right. like yeah. it, Ducat it's not still like, would have beamed in. Yeah. yeah, he still would have killed Dax. He still would have blown up the wormhole. Um, so him him staying and listening to the prophets wouldn't have changed anything. And I I I feel like the amount of um the amount of guilt and like uh dis- how despondent he feels over it. I wish it was tied to something like a, a direct decision that he made that actually has like stakes to it instead of just. We asked him to leave. He didn't leave, and now this happened. Where it's like, I, I wish there was something he could point to to be like, if I hadn't gone, if I hadn't left, if I had listened to the prophets, I could have stopped X. I, I think the problem is that the prophets also caring about Dax doesn't make sense to me. The prophets only care yeah. about Bajor. So my sure. solution to fix this is that Cisco calls away the fleet, and for whatever reason, you write in that Dax is on Bajor for this event. And she's at mm-hmm. a temple on Bajor. 
And the Dominion attack Bajor as the fleet is gone and there's no one left to protect them. There's like a sneak attack or something like that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she is killed in this attack. If not by Duke, maybe she can still be killed by Ducat, but there's like a, there's a ramification that Bajor also suffers because of what they've done from this. And mm-hmm. at that point, I feel that the stakes are appropriate there because Cisco pulled the fleet away. He he was the one that caused them to go after this other mission when the prophets were saying, you have to stay behind, something bad is going to happen. And it's a little bit grander scale than just Dax dying, but also Dax dies during it. Well, I I, I don't know if, if the prophets are specifically talking about Dax dying as much as they're talking about the, the wormhole, the wormhole closing, getting right? blown yeah. up. So I think, I think you could do it. I mean, if they just, if they had just had Ducat do a raid on Deep Space Nine, that where, you know, for whatever reason, the fleet was gone. So they managed to sneak in. And then it was, there were fewer people there because everybody was off on the Defiant. So, you know, Ducat and like five Gem Hadar just show up and just start killing people. Right. And <clears throat> while they're doing that, he's sneaking off to go, you know, paw wraith himself. And, you know, Dax goes after him to try to stop him. And then, you know, and the straight of the blaster and kills her and, you know, that kind of thing where it's like, there's something that actually happens because, Cisco isn't there. Um, I think going down a bit, I, th- I see what you're saying. I think that w- I, I, that would probably be too much because then it would be like you'd have to get her down there. Um, you know, I, I just think it would be a little t- too complicated. Yeah, it's it's moving um, locations a little bit more than you absolutely have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I mean, also, it takes if you have Ducat do some larger scale attack on Deep Space Nine. It puts uh, uh, Odo and Kira back on the on the board, which they're not even fucking there for the end of the episode. Right, like they just disappear after they after they decide that uh, after Odo uh, do, <laughs> realizes that one fight doesn't break up a god. I fucking hate this. <laughs> uh, w- once he realizes that one fight doesn't break up a relationship, they just disappear, and uh, you know he, he leaves. Cisco leaves the station to Kira, and she. No, wait, that's not what happens. He, sorry, Cisco leaves the the, station the to helm Dax to Kira. Yeah, for some reason yeah. he leaves the station to Dax. Um, oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Kira Kira is on the Defiant. Yep. Is Odo also on the Defiant? I don't know where on... Odo is. Actually, we don't see him, do we? He, I would assume he's still on the station, but he could be on the Defiant. Yeah. Okay. So let's say he's on the station. Right. Even better. Ducat shows up. The security team can't handle it because it's a bunch of Jem'Hadar dudes and Ducat, who's blasting fireballs out of his eyes or some <laughs> shit. I don't know. You know, so <clears throat> that way it's it's a direct a direct assault. Um it has consequences in that, you know, lessening the the uh the defensive force of Deep Space 9 because everybody was off on this this other thing. Right. Uh is a decision that Cisco makes. Um they lose the orbs, <clears throat> they lose the tier. Yeah, um, and you know, Dax gets killed in the in the in the in the you know, uh, whatever. Yeah. I forget the word I'm looking for, but you know what I mean? Would. Yeah. I, I, I'd agree with that. I, I think that it's definitely it's more expensive and it's more, it's probably harder to shoot. Cause I mean, you're, then you've got, you're, you're doing a space battle and also mirroring that with like a, an assault onto deep space. Not, I mean, it's not really any harder to shoot than anything else I've ever done. I guess I, I would just, I would lose the, um, the space battle. You know, like it, it's yeah. One, it, I have some serious questions about that space battle. <laughs> it's one of those things where I feel no emotional connection to all any Star Trek battle scene like that. It yeah. it all just mm-hmm. feels like it's like here's a bunch of ships. There's a bunch of ships. We got to shoot this thing, Chief. Yeah. Figure out how to shoot that thing. We shot it. It's over. Everyone's happy. Yeah. There, there's really no. There's nothing interesting about it, and I think it distracts from the character work that Star Trek does better than that. And so I'd rather focus on that and just have. The battle will be a very small backdrop. It takes up a, um, a pretty good chunk of this episode, what they do with that. And it's, yeah. you, they've yeah. got to have their fireworks going into the finale. But I would have rather have moved more of that time to the Dax storyline and sold that and built it up a little bit better. And I think that that's cheaper because you're working. You're not doing the CGI uh, space battle. It probably takes less time, I would assume, less money just to work with the actors you have on a set that you have and work something out that way. Yeah, my big question about the space battle is how does the Defiant apparently have better shields than uh, 
the Romulan and Klingon warbirds, the Excelsior class, and the Galaxy class, because those ships were getting fucking wrecked. It's built built for battle. Like, it's small. It can take it can uh, dodge the shots, well, and it's the, built for that stuff. Yeah. Well, their shields need a massive overhaul because they were just driving ships. Do the do the shields only work against like? phasers and shit that's the implication so, you can you can, so you uh, can kamikaze just, a ship with shields up yeah with no problem you could yeah. just drive a ship into another ship yeah yeah i feel like i don't know i feel like they've used the shields to deflect like asteroids and shit before oh that do, do i have to get nerdy here the, the the deflector dish deflects the asteroids and things like that which is different from the shields clay let's let's get serious here. Hmm. <laughs> my I, right, I like I like the kamikaze thing because it, it's unique to the Jem'Hadar that they do that and that I wish they have they ever do done it. it before the Odyssey that blows up in uh, the Galaxy class starship when they oh, first meet them. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, right. so still, it's, it, it seems kind of weird. It's it's a trait <laughs> that they do and that they're willing to yeah. die for it, and and I appreciate it for that. the 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 only thing that I really liked about the space battles is that uh, we mentioned this in Pale Moonlight. I like DS 9s Romulans. I, I think that they're mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. good. Like they're they're really interesting and different from the Klingons and the humans. And I feel like they play them more as just angry Vulcans, which mm. I think works really well. And it's good to see them back. And I like having them around. But the the rest of the space battle stuff is just you know CGI ships shooting at each other, and I don't really care for it. Yeah, the Romulans are angry Vulcans, and the Vulcans are annoyed Vulcans. Right. Like the Vul- Vulcans always seem like they are just a little bit put out by everything. Yeah, whereas the Romulans are actively angry, yeah. Um yeah, I you know, I mean, I guess that case the space battle. Yeah, it was too much. It was too much of a space battle. Um I th- I feel like I don't want to be I don't want to uh be too much of a hypocrite because we we have commented on how it's tough to relate to a space battle that you're only seeing as someone says tells you about stuff happening off screen. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think they probably I mean, I know that they went big. It's the season finale and, you know, uh, and I also I, I think my other problem with it was it's I'm not entirely sure if they what the end what the outcome of it was. Did they actually did they actually like re- take over Cardassia? I don't think so. They just broke through that little section that they have to go through, I think. Yeah. That's a good question, though. I'm not actually sure. I don't believe that's the case that they've kept, that they've conquered or landed on Cardassia at this point. Yeah, because I because that was another thing I was thinking about is like, you know, Cisco weighing his decision about is 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 what he did worth it, worth the life of Dax or what you know that kind of thing. And I I was thinking about that, and I was like, I'm not even really sure what they did, <laughs> I, <laughs> which is not other good than destroy to have that death. Yeah. yeah. Other than destroy that, you know, weapons array thing, but did they just go home afterwards or because they, they, uh, do they say, I think at some point, doesn't Damar say, doesn't he get in Wayun's face or vice versa about Starfleet boots being on the ground in Cardassia? I think only they, in the sense of being worried about it, though. I don't think it's actually happened. Oh, it's not actually happening. Okay. Because I think yeah. those well, guys are on Cardassia. Oh, they are. I okay. think so. I would. I would have to sure. assume because I, I. think that's like the central command for the Dominion at this point. Sure. Well, then. Then the question remains. I'm not entirely sure what they gained by it. And honestly, I mean, that's kind of would kind of be interesting too if they, if the gain was was negligible and it cost them the life of Dax. Then was it really the right decision? You know that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I think the point. I think the point that we're getting at is that it's similar to the sound of her voice in that the, it doesn't have a strong enough central uh, point. I would I would argue it does have a better central point than sound of her voice because it is supposed to be about Cisco making the wrong decision uh, at this point. And mm-hmm. you know, in the grander scheme of things, I guess you can look at this as we've seen a couple episodes leading up to this where Cisco. I at least felt that he was siding too much with the prophets over Starfleet, and it was like sure. you're kind of seeing him move in that direction. Here, I think it's interesting, and I think that this episode does a good job of fixing that by Cisco makes the Starfleet decision and it turns out to be wrong, which I think is that mm-hmm, you, you kind of mm-hmm. need those episodes to build up why he would move towards the prophets in any sense. And I think mm-hmm. that they got the order a little bit wrong. He started to move and then they pulled it back and he made a bad decision and now he's going to have to move in that direction again. This this is the inciting incident that would make it feel like him moving towards Bajor and away from Starfleet feels like it's the end goal for him at that point. And I think yeah. it's good in that sense, and I think it works. 
I just think that... Well, you know... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't even know if it's necessarily the quote-unquote wrong decision, because I I feel like it's a no-win scenario, because either he doesn't go, and I mean, I guess, well, I guess the the Defiant would still go, even if he didn't go, right? So I guess they would still probably... You'd have to assume, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess they would still win that battle, because I was going to say, if the Defiant doesn't go, then all of those ships get destroyed. So you lose a bunch of Starfleet lives that way. But if he does go, then Dax dies and the wormhole gets blown up. So it's kind of like a, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I guess if you're assuming, I guess if you're assuming uh, that the Defiant still goes to the battle and they still, you know, O'Brien still manages to figure out what he figures out and they manage to blow that thing up, they still win. Yes. Um, But again, this is all, this is all predicated on Cisco staying actually making a difference which it doesn't. Right. Yeah, I unless unless Cisco unless Cisco happened to uh follow Dax to to the to the temple so they could talk or so you know like it's one, it's one of those contrived things where it's like oh I guess it would make a difference if he just happened to be there at the same time. But there's no nothing to imply that that is what would happen. Right. I, I guess I I guess I would think that the uh, the difference would be that is what you were saying. Like Cisco goes through with the Starfleet mission, but Dax dies. But their gains are not considerable enough for it to have amounted to the loss of his friend. In his opinion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have gone that way because I, I think it, I think the episode is saying that they haven't made a huge amount of gains. They destroyed this little weapons facility that they have to get through, uh, but it's not worth. In his opinion, it wasn't worth the death of her to come through that. And maybe I think the episode's probably a little bit confused or it doesn't sell that fact hard enough for you. Um yeah. or for anybody, the audience in general. Yeah, I I I think it's just I, I think the major problem of the setup coming seemingly out of nowhere is kind of problematic. I like the baby. Um, thing that they they mm-hmm. they push a little bit and they it makes sense building off of it was nice to have retroactively um the episode where Dax and Worf take care of the baby Kiriyoshi was a nice mm-hmm. uh, feed into that and that's our last mm-hmm. real episode where they spend any time with each other and to just move it into this I I don't know I I, I think that they I think the show just could have done a better job of what they were trying to do here, either strengthen the death of the Jadzia character or have this kind of thing be more of a ethical dilemma for Cisco. And I think either one of those would have worked out fine for me, but yeah. as it stands, it's just an episode where I'm it, unlike all the other season finales, which felt like they were really designed to move the entire plot in a way. This one feels like it's more designed just to kill off Dax and by happenstance, some of the plot changes along with it. And yeah. That's maybe not fair, but that's how it feels to me as a, like a structured piece of television or what they were going for. Yeah, because even at the end, I was thinking like, so is the war over now? Like it was it was fairly undefined exactly what had happened. The wormhole closing uh, is surprising, right? Because you'd think that the power sure, rights yeah, would want yes. the Dominion, which is being held at bay on the other side of the wormhole by the prophets. They would want them to come through, you would think. Well, I yeah, I mean, I don't think they care about it, it, closing the wormhole seems to stifle the, the the profits, which is all they care about anyway, right? I think so. Again, it's unclear motivations about what the power rates want because the power rates are apparently profits too. So you think that they would sure. want to live in the wormhole would be their goal, yeah. but I guess not. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Power rates. Awesome. <laughs> well, let's I, let's, I let's so talk about that. I have a question. Go ahead. Maybe this can lead into that. I don't know. Um. I've I've seen mention that the profit stuff plays very heavily in season seven. Yeah, they they is lean into true? this. Yeah, is it is it good? Because <laughs> I just I don't know. I just I'm still not buying the stuff. It, it just it is it doesn't work for me. And when you do something like this, where it's like, oh yeah, but. Blasts her with a laser, and then they close the wormhole, and it's, I don't know. It's just, it's it's tough for me to really care about plot things that happen in regards to to this stuff. I thought I thought this was the first prophety episode where the um, the presence of the prophets and this whole Bajoran religion actually made the tone of the show feel different. 
to me. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I noticed it most in the Wayun, Damar, and Ducat scenes where he starts to go with the power rate thing and he's explaining this to them. I mentioned sure. it before, but like the Dominion feel bigger than that to me in a Star Trek sense. Like if you're looking at this as a Star Trek episode, the Dominion are an all-encompassing force that Wayun and Damar just are the heads of. And when they do mm-hmm. things, it's with the sense that these characters are acting in a way that will uh, win them battles and that they will be able to take over worlds. When they bring in Dukat, it makes it feel small and personal on a level that feels like it's more of a fantasy storyline than a Star Trek storyline. And I don't like the personal nature of it. I'm fine with Dukat staying this way, but I think that the better way to handle it is to have Dukat not align himself with the Dominion in any way. He's kind of like a wild card villain at this point. And the Dominion maintain their purely political stance and outlook on things and they, they kind of do here they maintain that but it feels like Ducat influences them in a way that i don't like and it doesn't feel star trekky yeah it feels like it feels like Ducat should should be operating as as a third party yeah a lone wolf um, who's who's kind of yeah. off on the sides doing things yeah 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 because <clears throat> other yeah I, I don't know i if it is is his thing from now on gonna be like pa wraith related uh yes, I mean, the power rates have a, a a big part of his characterization going forward. Mm, great. <laughs> you can see why people were concerned about the turn of Ducat. I disagree that it's waltz. Yeah. It's not waltz. It's everything that happens uh, from here on out. I think. Sure. Yeah. 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 But you know, I mean, I think there's a way you could do that and still have it work. I don't know. I. I just I the it's tough for me to get excited about that because I I've just as I said I've I've never really been on board with the whole profits thing. Well, one, one um, let me here's my here's my problem with one of my um favorite video games is a game called Suikoden Two, which is a role playing game. But just as a like a quick breakdown, what happens in that is that two friends get these two magical stones. They each get one that the stones are fated to cause them to uh, go to war with each other. Right. Mm-hmm. So. The stone, by the end of the game, these characters have gone to war with each other, but you can't tell if getting the stones is what did it or if their natural evolution as characters as people is just did that. And it it happens that they also got the stones and the stones are just a thematic representation of this. Right. I feel that's what you should do with the power race and the prophets. They They shouldn't be characters, but instead are kind of like, even if they're a power source, it just ties in thematically to the drive of the characters who get them in a way. Yeah. And it's yeah. not like you're possessed by a demon <laughs> that comes yeah, in yeah. and does it. I would be much more like Ducat wanting this all powerful evil energy perfectly works for the character of Ducat at this point, right? Right. Him yep. getting red eyes and shooting fireballs out of his ass does not work <laughs> in a Star Trek sense. And I think that that's Correct. the problem. They're too much of a. They're too much of an alien characterization instead of just a theme that you can work off and power up characters by giving them these abilities. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, on the other, on the flip side of that too, I was kind of hoping, well, I guess I was hoping, um, that the closing of the wormhole was going to mean that they were just like, all right, we're, we're just taking the profits off the board now. Um, and I would be interested to see how that affects the Bajorans and everybody else who rely on the prophets moving into the, the last season. Like what does closing the wormhole mean to deep space nine? What does the prophets being dead or something mean to the Bajoran people and their society? And does, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's semi but, good news for Starfleet, right? Because the dominion aren't coming through. Sure. You yeah. Know, you like would it, think that like, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, large, uh, looking at the big picture, it's, that's, that's a win for them. You know, I mean, even uh, the admiral there, who seems to be the only admiral who's not secretly a bad guy, uh, <laughs> knock on wood. I don't know if he does something uh, atrocious in the next season. But uh, even he is, like, just kind of putting up with the whole profit shit. So if anything, if he heard that that happened, he'd be like, oh, good. I guess Ben doesn't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> on top of – he can now focus on his job on top of the fact that we just – we the the dominion does not have a shortcut to get to us anymore right yeah no i'd, I'd 100 percent agree there's still the 
they do the groundwork of saying like the Dominion can still make Jem'Hadar at a rate that's pretty impressive. But I, I do feel that Starfleet would consider this to be a net positive to not have them knocking on the door anymore and not be worried about it. Um, yeah. The wormhole's not destroyed, I guess. They've never said this. So there is the sense that it could open again. I think they I think they say in the episode that the prophets have just kind of shut the door. Basically, like the mm-hmm. prophets aren't dead or anything, but they've just decided to close the door to the temple or whatever. Um, yeah. Now, here's a question. Yeah. Do you think they made the wrong choice story-wise there? Do you think what should have happened was that basically the the wormhole just got forced open and it's just open all the time? I think it's more interesting. Well, I don't know. This I think the the wormhole has to close to allow Cisco to leave DS9. Like he would stay there if it was stayed sure. open. Sure. However, I think the stakes become worse if the wormhole is just kept open and the prophets can't do anything about it. So the the Dominion can come through the wormhole. Um, at that point, that feels... We've kind of complained about the repetitious nature of the season finales of DS9 where it always feels like the Dominion are about to come through the wormhole and then they stop them somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if it would become more repetitious that way, but I, I don't know. I... If the series was written better from the start and Cisco losing contact with the prophets here meant some a little bit more than I feel it actually does mean, this is a better way to go about it. I just don't know mm-hmm. if they ever made that connection. Do they ever do they ever have Cisco like verbalize that the actually the wormhole closing is a good thing? So he's kind of conflicted about that? I'm not sure. I don't I don't remember if they if they do or don't get that specific with it. Um, yeah. it's more just kept as like a general loss of faith idea that he's unsure about what to do with his life at this point. Right. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Is there, is there anything else you wanted to talk about this one with? I mean, I'm, I'm sad that Dax is gone. I wish he had stuck around for a little bit. It's always funny to me that the actors and actresses after they're off the shows are always, you know, 10 years down the line, are like, yes, signed is the best thing there. Star Trek is the best thing that I ever did. And I know that a lot of that is convention money speaking and stuff like that, but I do. It, it is a strange, like as you mentioned last time, she left for Becker, and no one remembers Becker. Mm. You know, and yeah. you, you left this other show. It's just yeah. a, a showbiz decision I, that I guess you can't really hold against her. But I personally would have preferred if Jed Zia Dax had remained on the show for the last season. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like you know uh, you hear stuff like that all the time when you when especially with guest stars and stuff like. Uh, I don't know why I was specifically thinking of Jeffrey Combs because this didn't happen to him, but I feel like he would be the perfect one for this to happen to where he's on the show enough that he's important to the show, but that's not for him, the actor. That's not like a solid gig. Right. So if something came along and it's like, Jeffrey, we want you to be a main player on this new series with an established star that's going to have some heat behind it. 100% 100% he's going to take that job, and then all of a sudden you don't have Wei Yun anymore. Right. So, and, and so, like, that stuff just happens, you know? I mean, I don't know if, uh, do you know how much of it was just, uh, she didn't want to do the show anymore? I think it was, um, money related. I think yeah. that she, she has the weakest, um, negotiating, uh, position out of all the actors, I believe, yeah. mostly because mm-hmm. you can just kill off Dax. You know, sure. Yes, is built as a character. character who, yeah, you who's you're, that, you're, yeah. you're arguing your your case for sticking around is uh, poorly designed against how this character is designed to work. So the production team, if they did want to not pay you that much, are able to get rid of you. So you're in kind of a tough situation where someone like Avery Brooks, they can't easily get rid of him in this series. Right. Um, so I know that her position negotiating wise was weak and she wanted to do something else, I think, at that point and was... Um, there seems to be bad blood because she is not in the series after this, even the finale. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I assume that she would show up like via one of those newly filmed flashbacks or something like that. I, that's I'm fairly sure. I have not looked this up. I'm fairly sure, certain that she's not even in the finale. And I believe the finale has a montage sequence, kind of. Um, oh, wow. So like so not even like archival footage. I don't think so. Holy crap. Yeah, that's, I'm a, a, that's amazing. Yeah. So, we'll see. I, I might be let me know if people let me know if I'm wrong about that, but I'm fairly even, certain even that's Even Tasha correct. showed up in the finale of uh, Star Trek <laughs> TNG. They, 
they just put Tashi Yar in the finale of DS9 as a, the ultimate uh, spiteful hey, thing. I would be fine with that. Yeah, I, I think we're done. Let's take a break then. We'll uh, play an audio clip. We'll come back, read some patron thoughts, and give our final thoughts, and then wrap up season six of DS9. The funeral service is due to begin in a few minutes, Jadzia. But I need to talk to you one last time. When I first met you, you told me that my relationship with Jadzia Dax wouldn't be any different than the one I had with Curzon Dax. Things didn't work out that way. I had a hell of a lot of fun with both of you. But Curzon was my mentor. You... You were my friend. And I am going to miss you. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the content today, patreon.com slash the Penske file is the place to go. You can support the show there a couple dollars a month to get you extra stuff, extra podcasts. And also, if you're a Captain Tier supporter over at patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get a shout out. Special thanks go to Andrew Sherlock, Ben Douglas, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, David Kay, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Yarpy, Joint Mangle, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elledge, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Tark Latif, a Vault 13 hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Much appreciated. And now patron thoughts. There's only a couple of them for uh, the Tears of the Prophets, the finale. So let's get to these. If you're a patron, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and we read them on the show. First comment, point extra G. Something I noticed in a previous watch through, this is the first time that we've seen Wei-Yoon in quite a while. Yes, he's been on the show, but his last four appearances are as holographic forgeries, hallucinations, and profit-driven fever dreams. Which is a nice collection of words right there, actually. <laughs> Samuel S. says, Finally a decent episode. It's a shame Dax got killed off right as she was starting to get interesting. I do appreciate the fact that it was Golducott who kills her, though. It gives him another layer of evil after six seasons of people telling us, uh, telling us he is evil, we see him kill Dax simply because she was an inconvenience to him, who happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. The space combat was well shot, and the action was easy to see. Cisco's pain is palpable in the last scene with Dax's coffin, and the scene really drives home how overwhelmed he is when he admits he doesn't know what to do now. All in all, the season ends on a good episode of four out of five. I um, I ha- go ahead, oh, go ahead. I was going to say I have to, I have to say I think that Ducat killing Dax would have had a lot more weight if he had done it in a more um pedestrian manner like by shooting her or stabbing her or something like how they all went out yeah yeah just because you know yeah ducat ducat's awfulness is very grounded generally or at least had been up to this point so him just blasting her with you know a a, a visual effect doesn't really feel very personal you know and his Um, pre parath he seems more frightening to me just because he's more sadistic like that like he is a he's a disturbed individual who's doing this and it would seem like he'd be the kind of guy who would like go for the knife because the knife is personal you know what i mean um yeah yeah and they get rid of that with the whole pare thing i i do want to i do i'll take this moment just to stress that um the Dax being gone, I do think that this episode is mostly a failure in how to get rid of a character and i kind of feel really underwhelmed for after six seasons that this is how you get rid of one of the main cast members, even down to, um, I'm always, I'm always struck by, you know, Dax has just died. And the scene after she dies in the coffin scene is Cisco leaving and he's saying goodbye to everyone in ops. And then Kira and Odo are kind of hanging out in his office. I always feel like those characters, because you have a scene like that, you never get a sense that those characters are really grieving about what's happened here. And yeah. I, I, I feel that if you're going to kill a main character off like this, you kind of have to have a scene where everyone commiserates about them. You know, like in, um, not that it's a great example, but Nemesis, when Data dies, the last scene of the movie is them toasting Data. Sure. And even if it's not what you'd want to see from something like Nemesis, I'd, I'd like to think that the people just don't go back to their jobs and are kind of like, well, let's see what happens tomorrow on another episode of Star Trek DS9. I, I feel you have to do a montage. You have to have the characters talk about Dax. They have to recount previous episodes where they had an interaction with Dax and something Dax you did. You have, have to have a little hologram that right, pops, that up, pops of up Dax giving her, <laughs> telling her, telling everyone what she thinks of them. Do you agree or would you, are you happy with the way that this was? I, I just, I really think that if you're going to kill a character off, even if the acting thing is like, um, 
behind the scenes, it's kind of like a difficult situation. You have to do the the character right. And I don't think that this episode did. It almost feels like they were just happy to get rid of her. They did it as quickly as possible in the most efficient way possible. And now it's just on to the next uh, thing. Yeah, I think it's tough because you have this episode has a lot of stuff happening in it. Like I was I, I, I checked at about the 20, 25 minute mark to see how I thought maybe it was like an extra long episode or something because they were doing a lot of stuff. They were setting up a lot of stuff, and I wasn't sure how it was all going to shake out in the next 20 minutes. So I think I think the scene with Cisco probably is the shorthand for what you're talking about, um, because if they gave another five minutes to going around and, and you know, showing everybody uh, doing the discovery thing where everybody gets a scene where they write a letter to their parents or some <laughs> shit. Um, I, I feel like in that case, it's going to feel a little bit overblown and a little too melodramatic. Does it, though? But um, I don't care about the space battle outcome. So, the, like, to me, the Dax death is the only thing that matters. And I like the Cisco thing because I like the final shot of him leaving and stuff like that. I like the scene with the coffin. But if, if the if the outcome of the space battle is so uninteresting and unemotional to me, you have to pay attention to Dax, I think. Yeah, fair. I yeah I think it's just how you handle it. I don't I don't know if you necessarily needed to do add many other scenes. I think you just needed to have the the cast show a little more emotion about it. Cuz okay. even in that scene, even in that scene with uh with Odo and Kira, yeah, they're just sort of there and they're just sort of like, well, uh he might not come back. Like it's already it's already over at that point, you know. Right. Yeah. I think you know what I think would might have been effective, maybe it would have been really silly, I don't know. Uh, in that scene with Odo and Kira, Odo should have just broken down and started crying. Mm. Because I don't think Kira would do that. I think Kira has seen enough of that shit that she can keep it together. But I think if you had someone like Odo just completely lose it, then that sort of like does the work of everybody else having to do a scene like that because he is the most stoic and emotionally repressed of everybody. Yeah, and I think it actually fits into his um, recent characterization as softening as a character. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and I, I could see that. Yeah, he, him being the one to actually uh, show the sorrow of everyone. But I agree that I think the cast has to play it more somber than they actually do. And like you, you, were, you were just saying that you thought too much time with the cast would have been melodramatic. I think that the... I think the opposite is actually true. I think that the melodramatic version is the Tasha Yar one, where it's a character you've only oh, seen yeah. for like 10 episodes, and then everyone's like sobbing at her funeral. And while that makes sense in the universe, as a viewer of the show, you're like, come on, guys. Like, this show just started. Like, how am I supposed to feel attached to this character? No, but but imagine that that episode was in season seven or season six of TNG. Do you think it, it makes it any better? Because I don't. I think the, it still scene, comes the off The scene pretty- with Tasha? Yeah, I think it still comes off pretty melodramatically. Mm, I wonder. I I would yeah. have I would have liked to. I wouldn't have wanted to see a direct copy, like literally a hologram on DS Nine. But I would have liked to have had a a group funeral scene. I think. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's put it this way: like Spock, I, like when I Spock would, dies in the movies. Like that's an appropriate. All the characters are there, and you get a sense that sure everyone sure. is mourning this. Sure. Um, I think that they 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 could have done some trimming at the beginning to make room for some of this stuff because I don't think you needed Vic Fontaine in this. I don't think you needed. <laughs> fucking, I forgot he's. I forgot yeah, he's in. I don't yeah. think you needed Quark and Bashir commiserating over the fact that this stupid thing that they've added to both of their or that came out of nowhere on Quark, but Bashir hasn't even thought about in four seasons. Uh, that that all of a sudden comes up because they're trying to have a baby, you know, like, it, I, and I know it's all part of the thing where it's like, they're trying to say goodbye thing, to Dax, you know, it's just not yeah, the way it's that the I want to see thing that the walking dead turned into like a fucking joke, which is you can tell what character is dying based on which character who usually doesn't have a lot of lines or focus gets the most focus. Right. So if the old guy who's been there since the first episode, but only has like a couple lines a season, suddenly does something heroic or has like a big monologue that dude is dead by the end of the episode right and they kind of they that's kind of what they do here where it's like the focus becomes on her up oh, they're having a baby oh isn't that great they're so happy oh she oh it looks like it's gonna work you know they're really building it up so to maximize the uh looks like i can the, give you the hormones that'll let you get a baby yeah good news there yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a uh, 
it's a, I don't want to say it's an artificial way to, to, to wrench emotion out of a character death, but it kind of is because it's not like, again, the scene where she dies is just so dumb. It's, it doesn't, it, there's no meaning to it. There's no weight to it at the time. It's just, it's the height of her happiness. She gets blasted with some red goop and she dies. Yeah. As opposed to if it was, you know, the height of her happiness and all of a sudden, fuck, she's the only one who can stand in the way of Ducat getting to X, Y, and Z. And, you know, he ends up, they get in a fight and he stabs her in the neck or something, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or something like that. Uh, It just, so I I think you, yeah, I think you got to spend time with the characters beforehand, but not make it feel cheap. And on the other hand, and and then afterhand, is there, is that, is that a word? (laughs) I've never thought about that. What's the, what's the opposite of beforehand? Is it afterward, I guess? I guess it's just afterwards. Yeah. But you think there would be an afterhand. Yeah. Yeah. Afterhand. Yeah. Uh, And afterhand you, um, yeah, I could see, I could see the necessity to, to spend some more time with the grieving characters, but I think there's too much going on. They just don't have room for it. Yeah. And um, they do grieve next season um yeah i like i'm only talking about this episode i know people are going to chime in and say like a lot of the storylines in the seventh season a lot of the new dax character has storylines that deal with the fact that it's a new dax obviously um and what that means to like letting go of jedzia and things like that yeah um so they they will touch on it. i just kind of need it in this episode but you reminded me that uh in terms of like setting up dax as a character who's going to die there was a review i was reading that reminded me in um Remember the original Hot Shots, the parody uh, movie by the Abrams uh, sure. guys? There's a there's like a fighter pilot character in that who uh, has a mission to fly, and they he's like supposed to sign life insurance paperwork, but he's like, "I'll do it after the mission is yeah. over." And then he he walks like <laughs> under a ladder, and a black cat walks in front of him as he's going mm-hmm, off to his mission, mm-hmm. and then of course he dies. So it's like it's yeah. that they're just parody uh, making a parody of the fact that you always know which character is going to be dead because of the way that the show builds uh, towards that. Yeah, or in any war movie, it's the one who pulls out the picture of his of his girl back home that he can't wait to see again. He's yeah. going to get a yeah. bullet in the head by the end of that scene, you know? Uh, all right, next comment is... Oops, what happened there? Norman Buckwald says, Ducat! Uh, I suspect Dax may consider Tarias had a much more dignified death, the shuttle accident. It may have been nice to throw a line indirectly somewhere as to why Jedzia was not on the mission, which was because she and Worf would be separated after change of heart. That's a good point. I think that dramatic irony would have been poignant and made this episode much more meaningful. Also, I'm sorry, but I could see the Dominion arresting Ducat and not giving him free range to go forward with his plan. I suspect the founder leader would have considered this way in defective for not arresting Ducat and maybe even executing him. Maybe instead of Ducat states all of his plans remotely from an undisclosed location to the two, as he did with Kira earlier in the season. And if Jadzia had to die, I would have added the drama and had her be already pregnant and perhaps due to the unique treatment she's needed. That's why Bashir also had to stay behind, unless Bashir was banished from a key defiant mission due to his insubordination and waltz. As for the ending, instead of having Cisco at the restaurant, just have Kira mention he took his baseball with him and show an empty desk. That was enough and most simply would harken back to the end of season five when he does indeed leave his baseball behind. I I disagree with that because I'm really glad they said something because I didn't even notice that until she brought it up. The, that the baseball was gone? Yes. He's, yeah. he, I think he's talking about don't show him um, peeling potatoes or whatever. He's oh, doing I, oh I, thought, I thought he was saying don't have her say that the baseball's gone. no he's, yeah he's talking about the the denouement which is him uh on earth peeling potatoes or cleaning clams or whatever he's doing oh okay okay i like the baseball thing i think that that's nice and i agree with yeah. you you probably yeah. wouldn't have noticed it unless the camera just really literally hung on the empty baseball thing uh mm-hmm. but even then you wouldn't probably make the connection that the whole reason the last season worked is because he left his baseball there knowing he'd come back for it right right uh let's see here there's some other thing i want to say about that no not really uh I, the, if she's already pregnant i think she's already pregnant that's too dark i think like this yes, it's star trek yeah, and she's not yeah it's not the red wedding here <laughs> zim nuclear wessel says headcanon they gave ducat his bird of prey back and that's how we got close enough to ds9 to beam into the temple yeah but it's the wrong transporter thing unfortunately i'm pretty sure it's a dominion transporter effect that they use on him matthew ross says tears of the prophets now we can return to the dominion war remember that and this episode has it all. Scheming Wayun, Damar, and the newly insanely calm Ducat. Hint, he's too calm, hence extra crazy. We've seen empowered alliance or reluctant allies bickering on their system, ho- uh, system hopping plans. 
spaceship shooting and blowing stuff up and a surprising exit death of Pharrell's Jadzia. I actually was taken aback when she died originally, as I feel her character was getting better after getting married to Worf. And I think the acting around her death was up to now missing Klingon death cry and sadness of Worf was touching. Cisco's belief in his failure as a Starfleet officer is bizarre. Didn't they just win? Cisco's sadness at the death of Jadzia was a bit hammy for me, but the sentiment was there. Just to reiterate a past point in this podcast, Neiman DS9, the prophets are asses. At least the power rates talk straight. Can the prophets just say what they want? How is Cisco to know anything? Again, <laughs> they cut him off of, of the space peanuts and the wormhole is an inadvertent coup for the good guys, maybe. Cisco's belief he was a total failure in a rush to clean clams seems a bad omen at this point for the character and a shock to Bejor that something is amiss. Something is amiss seems genuine. A good apology for the last set of episodes, making you hungry to see how this resolves in the final season. I, I was annoyed by that prophet scene too, where it's like, you can't, you guys got to give me something here, man. You just can't, you can't say no, don't. It's like, what? Don't what? I got a job to do. If you want me to stay, you got to give me a reason and not just, you know, talk through uh, a Martok at me. Yeah. I mean, as Matt says, the problem is the power rates speak clearly about yeah, what they the want. Power rates are very direct. Yeah. They're like, I'm going to shoot you with my fireballs now. And you say, yes. okay. Um, it's true. It's just, we've, we've complained about that forever. Like it's, it's fine to do one or two seasons of the prophets talking like that. Cause you're like, Oh, it's mysterious. Like, what are we building to? But now we're in season six, just have the prophets explain what the fuck is going on. Uh, and that'll be yeah. fine with everybody. Or, I mean, you don't even have to have them explain it. Just have so that we know in the moment, but have Cisco understand it. You know, like mm, when he sure. comes out of the thing, he's like, oh, the prophets told me. He's getting better to, at understanding them. Yeah. 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 The prophets told me not to eat that food that's in the fridge because it's old. Or, you know, something. <laughs> the prophets told me, Jake, it's your turn to do the laundry again. Captain Quark with the final comment, Tears of the Prophets. This is a pretty good season cliffhanger. I enjoyed most of the story that involved the fight against the Dominion. I also enjoyed Sisko's internal conflict over whether or not he should go on his mission or obey the will of the Prophets. The conversation between Admiral Ross and he is especially compelling in that regard. Although I don't really understand how his presence on DS9 would have made a difference as to what happened to Dax in the wormhole. Dax's death was definitely better than Yars from TNG since we feel greater tragedy having known the character for longer. Plus, it's a visceral high point in Dukat's villainy. I didn't care for Terry Farrell's performance as Dax when I first began watching the show, but she's really grown on me throughout the seasons, and she will be missed. Thank you, patrons. Yeah, I would agree with that last bit, because, yeah, I, I didn't think she was anything special at the beginning, but I think she she managed to figure it out, or maybe they all kind of figured out that character together, and, and, and the last season or two, she's been, I thought she's been really good. Yeah, she is, um, you know, the first couple also seasons, if they had pulled the same stunt and replaced the actor with another Dax, it would have been like, okay, makes sense to me. But she's sure. now part of the family, I feel like, and it's just a strange decision. Like, I don't feel that attachment to Yar because it's just the first season of the show. It's terrible. Like, they, they never had a legitimately right, good right. Uh, relationship or character interaction with her. Um, so I don't I don't feel that importance. But here I do feel... It, my, I guess my thesis statement on it is if you're going to kill this character off, I need it to be a better episode than this at this point. I'm fine with yeah. Yar's death being f stupid because it's like, who cares? The show is stupid at that point. Fuck but, you. Fuck you. But DS9, the show feels like it's better than that. And just the character has been there for six years. I feel that she deserves a better send off than what she actually got. Yeah. Would you would you consider this a cliffhanger? Because I do not. I do not consider it a cliffhanger. Yeah. No. Um, in contrast to the other season enders, which are cliffhangers in a lot of ways, um, uh, what would they be? Maybe not. Teen G probably did more cliffhangery endings. I think DS9 likes to end its seasons fairly cleanly uh, and then yeah. move into the next season. So I would guess that DS9 doesn't do a lot of cliffhangers. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Thank you, patrons, for supporting the show. Thank you for listening. Clay, final rating of the season. For this one. Mm. Season six is over. What do you think? Um, I'm, you know, I, I'm going to give this a two. Okay. Because I think it, it leaves sure a lot to be. sure this is your lowest rated uh, season finale. You've given pretty high ratings to all the season finales to this point, <clears throat> which is yeah. interesting. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I'm going to go with a two because I feel like they kind of, they don't really do Dax the, with the exception of like the last scene, couple scenes that I thought were really good. I don't think they do her justice as far as a send off. 
I don't think that uh, – I think she gets killed in a really stupid way. I think, uh, you know, the central – like I've said, the central thing with Cisco doesn't make any sense because him being there wouldn't have stopped anything. Um, I think they waste a lot of time that they could have spent doing more constructive stuff instead of having Vic Fontaine serenade uh, Baby, maybe the losers. Yeah. <laughs> Get lucky sometime. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's – there's good stuff in it, but I think the 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 wasted potential outweighs the good stuff. Unfortunately, yeah. To me, it's a um episode with a lot of flaws, and that's a two for me. It's not a catastrophic failure, but it's like what, what what's going on here? Why isn't this a better episode? And that is a two for me. So twos for both of us to wrap it out. The second half of season six didn't really end on a high note, but Clay, we're gonna do a wrap up. I'm doing a wrap up video. Uh, you're on vacation next week, so we'll kill a little bit of time. I'll do a solo wrap up of my season six thoughts. Do you, as uh, as the new person of the season, do you want to just give quick? Uh, what's your quick gut take on season six at this point? To remind you, we've talked about how it's a high and low season. There are some really good highs and some really low lows. But I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember anything outside of that. If you want to talk about the uh, how the occupation arc sat with you, sure, uh, all the way through the middle, and now this weakness at the end, and anything that you remember would be interesting that people would want to hear about. Um, my main takeaway is I'm surprised that for a show that started its season feeling like they've really figured out a direction that it, it really didn't live up to that. Um, you know, they, they come out, they came out of the gate strong with the, with the occupation arc. And it really seemed like that it was going to be, all right, this is the dominion war. We're going to do things, serialize things. We're really going to get into it, really hash out the dark corners of, of what the star Trek universe is and could be. But, um, they still have too much of a foot in the old style of storytelling. And, uh, that plus, I don't know how much behind the scenes stuff was, was, uh, influencing, these episodes or whatnot um you know when you're pulling when you're pulling an episode that out of the trash can from season one to do an to do in season six it doesn't really give me a lot of faith in in what's going on um so yeah i feel like it it started off with a lot of potential but it did it never really lived up to it like yeah it had some really great ones but uh i i think yeah i think the thing that surprised me was it it felt kind of directionless ultimately given how strongly it seemed to have a a vision for what they were going to do. Yeah, it is interesting. It was a really strong start to the season, right? It was, um, yeah, it really amounted to, it felt totally different. It felt like the show had like refreshed itself in a way. Mm -hmm, And it's mm -hmm. been the past six episodes that have not been great outside of that. But your, uh, your highest episodes were rocks and shoals, waltz, Far Beyond the Stars, Wrongs Darken Than Death of Night, and then The Pale Moonlight. Do any of those stick out to you as you would say that was the best episode of the season? Um, I feel like it's probably a toss-up between Rocks and Shoals and Pale Moonlight. Okay. Um, your, your weakest ones were Resurrection, The Reckoning, Prophet and Lace, and Time's Orphan. Would you, which you, one would you say were you like, or were you blown away by its awfulness? Could you give me a quick refresher of what those first two are about? Uh, Resurrection was Vedic Burial from the Mirror Universe. Yeah. The Reckoning was Jake Sisko and Kira blasting each other with Prophet energy. Oh, Jesus. Prophet and Lace um, is the female Ferengi episode, yep. and Time's Orphan is Mo- uh, Molly O'Brien. Yep, yep. Um, my, my instinct says Resurrection, uh, but I feel like... Uh, I feel like... Uh, Times Orb fan is is a close second, and I you know Profit and Lace is obviously terrible, but I, Times Orphan is is it's just, it was just a mess. Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's so out of place. Um, <laughs> and all of those episodes were terrible. Resurrection, I completely forgot about that. I think stupid. I think that's what makes Resurrection the worst for me is that it's barely remember. Like I don't remember yeah. what, what what happened in that besides the fact that he came back, and I think that's all that really happened. And is he like episodes. a what was the was he a clone or something? I, no, he's just the Mirror Universe. Mirror Universe oh, Burial came back right. and he was like hanging out with Kira for a little bit right. and then he leaves yeah. at the end. No, that's it. That's the worst one. That was the worst one. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. That's, um, 
you know, Prophet and Lace gets a lot of flack, but that I think that episode that episode has like legitimately no conflict in it. It's just he's yeah, just hanging yeah. out and then he leaves again at the end. It's very, very strange. All right, yeah, I think that's it. Great. So that's your ratings. Um I think this will will be interesting. I'll run the numbers and I'll do my own personal podcast uh on the wrap up of it. But it's good to have your final thoughts about it, Clay. And I think that's it. Thank you guys for listening. You can check out all the social media links, Facebook, Twitter, Discord, patreon.com slash the Penske file. Uh, and I think that's it. We're done with season six. So you can look forward to the wrap up video. Season seven starts. And then we are in the final season of Deep Space Nine. It's been a wild, wild two years. And we're almost at the finish line. Clay, do you have anything should you want to say? Uh, well, I was going to say, should for season seven, should I run my voice through a vocoder or something? So it seems like I'm a different character. That would be, that would be, to, be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll just start, I'll start calling you um, something else Dax, I suppose. Or I'll just yeah. uh, I'll switch up your Corb. name a little bit. I wish, uh, yeah, and I'll talk about, I wish uh, original Clay was here, like in season six when we had that great episode. <laughs> this is not working out the same. Uh, Ezri is the name of the new Dax, just for your information. I, I have to admit, I did look ahead a little bit because uh, I wanted to see what she was like. And uh, can you give me a quick rundown on how people feel about her? Uh, they don't feel negative towards her. Yeah. I think she she's a character that you don't really get to know very well because she's only in one season of the show. Sure. But I think that she's she's regarded as likable and um I guess the main the main thing that stands out uh, like the main thing that I would take away is that she doesn't have a lot of haters against her. So it's mm. it's kind of just it's a character that maybe had a little bit more potential but they never really managed to do anything with it and they like people like the performance. People generally like the way that she goes in terms of story and stuff like that. So I would say it's it's a mildly positive reception towards her. Mm. The reason I ask is because I watched the first scene with her from the second episode. And, of the seventh uh, season. Yeah. Yep. And she kind of feels like a proto-Tilly to me, mm. at least based on that one scene. And she's I was youthful. curious. She's, she's a younger – she's like a, a younger Dax. So that's kind of her characterization is that she's Yeah, youthful. and she had kind of the, the fast-talking thing that Tilly does, and she was kind of self-deprecating the way Tilly is. And so that's why I was curious how people felt about her because I know that there are a lot of uh, people who do not like Tilly on Discovery. And I feel like this if if this character was a favorite – for people but that one is not i wonder what the disconnect is mm, i i would just say she's not as bad she's not as inserted as tilly feels sure into sure. things um that would be the difference i i don't mind esri um but we'll talk to her we'll talk about her when we get to her uh which will be in very short time so clay have a good vacation and the podcast will catch up with you when you return and i think that's i'll it. uh i'll send some very uh trolley pictures of myself at the star wars <laughs> section of magic kingdom or mgm studios or whatever guys thank you very much for listening we really appreciate it hopefully uh, that you enjoyed the uh, sixth season of ds9 and our coverage of it we're moving on to season seven we'll see you in a couple days later <laughs>